This week, we're talking about linking adventures, level caps, and Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to We Speak Common, the podcast that's brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon UK. You can get beautiful metal-crafted dice uh, shipped internationally uh, from the UK and if you spend more than £30, you get free shipping. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what they've got going on uh, later in the episode. First though, hello Joe, how you doing? You right? Benjamin, hello. What is going on in your world, my friend? You know, mate, uh, the huge been pretty well. Not the huge, actually. Actually, been very not like the huge. Been very busy. Um, not playing D anD D this week. Yeah, uh, we'll take yep. take a little break. Um, so, you know, it's, it's unknown territory for us, Ben. It's unknown territory. Mate. It, it did pain me physically to have to, uh, you know, say, oh, guys, we're taking a break this week. We're gonna not play Dungeons and Dragons. But, you know, we'll pull through. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on and whatnot to talk about. But, um, yeah, it does, it does feel weird to uh, have that, you know, Saturday roll by and uh, not be rolling dice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I did um, I did get my weekly descent session in uh, on Thursday. So I've had I've had a little bit of a hit. So I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm not I'm not completely shaking. All right. What level are you in that game? Uh, we've just leveled up to eight. Ooh. Is, is yeah. Warlock still fun, that le- many levels in? Um, the first time I felt like I was annoyed by the lack of spells was this session this week. So we just... Uh, I've still only got two spell slots, but they're fourth level, and I get another spell slot, I think, either next level or the level after. Mm. Um, but... We just went up against a Nazgul riding a Nightmare, which is, um, they're both, I think I worked it out. He has the ability to call another Nightmare if you kill the first one and two, two. I think I worked out that the challenge rating of the entire encounter was about a CR 16. So it's pretty difficult. Um, and I think we were meant to run away, but there was only three of us and we're on this cliff and... We've got Lulu, the Hollyphant, obviously, who's part of the adventure, following us around, and she was being kidnapped by a, a like, hell wasp thing. Mm. So our druid turned into a giant eagle and flew after her to go and save her. But she ended up being, like, 240, 260 feet away from us as shit was quite literally hitting the fan for me and and Drell, my, um, my thief friend. He's just uh, multi-classed into wizard. Um, he... Went down, I was on like 20 HP, and this Nazgul picked him up and put him on uh, this iron tree. There's like this forest of iron trees, and souls are stuck to them, and they're being like tortured for eternity. Um, Yeah, you know, yeah, standard stuff. And I was like, well, I can't go and get in his face because he'll kill me. So I just kept Eldritch blasting him because I'd used my spell slots. You know, we jumped off the cliff and cast fly so that we could get away or get out of his reach for a bit. You know, it's typical fight stuff. Um, I had to go and get in, get in his way. I went down. The druid's still like a hundred feet away. I thought last session was going to be it, but we managed to we managed to take him out. Skin of a teeth. However, Drell has lost all of his memories, so that's interesting. Um, the one thing I will say about this game 
we are we are up against it there's only three of us it's difficult it is a hard adventure and we have nearly died like three times um drell has died once he made a deal to come back um but it's it's putting us in so many different situations i've never been in before in D. it's like me and drell our characters they do not get on at all i'm the one who killed him and uh, i know it's awkward don't let's just not get into it um and uh now he's got no memory so he has no idea who who we are and we're gonna try and get a demon to do a deal and give him his memory back not demon a devil do a deal and get him his memories back but i'm sort of thinking hmm, i might i might just uh put a little line in that that deal where he gets all of his memory back except for his memories of me <laughs> and see if, <laughs> see how that goes and the guy playing drell is wesley so i mean I mean, I don't need to tell you, Joe, but he is—he's role playing it. He's pretty bad. Out. He's very. Uh... Thing is, though, bless him. He—he he went. Oh well, if I've lost all of my memory, shall I put my intelligence down to a ten? And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. He's like, oh, can I? I was like, no. It's like you've lost your memories, but you're still intelligent. <laughs> Please don't do that, because you will be even more ineffective. <laughs> he likes to put himself on the uh, on the back burner. What, what subclass is he playing? Uh, he was a swashbuckler. Um, and now, obviously, he's starting to go into wizard because his story arc is that he wants to be an enchanter. So he's starting to veer away from Swashbuckler, but he's not got any spells yet. Terrible build decisions. Is that what? Uh, probably. Oh, God. I haven't looked into his character too much because I'm um, sort of watching it evolve. A little wizard dip is nice. It doesn't really up your power level very much. Um, no. Although saying that, uh, getting like booming blade and green flame blade does keep you like. Well, he uh, he already had. Behind. Yeah, he already had booming blade because he um, took the feat that gives him spells, so he's already got a little bit of magic. But yeah, I mean, the reason I went into it uh, or felt like I could multi-class into wizard is because you actually increase your damage if you get booming blade. Because it, mm. it just scales off character level. Um, you, If you, say, took 19 Thief, one Wizard, you'd actually do more DPS than 20 Thief. Yeah. Um, which is a bit silly, I guess, really. But, um, yeah, mm. so it, it's nice, though, because then you can get... It just gives you a bit of versatility with spells and stuff. But I don't know if there's much actual opportunity for sneaking around in your game or, or how that works. Um, I mean, he's managing to hide um and do his sneak attacks, but it's not. It's not. We're not really sneaking around per se. We're not being stealthy. Um, but he's managing to like you know slink into the shadows or or dip behind an iron tree here and there. So it's working out for him. It's oh, interesting. It's funny what you're saying about um warlocks and their limited spell slots because I was watching the uh, Baldur's Gate live stream the other day mm. and they seem to have it so arcane recovery recovers all spell slots currently mm. so okay and then obviously you basically get a short rest after every encounter if you want it anyway so yeah um warlocks will always have their spell slots up per fight and fighters will always have um action surge up per fight so that'll be i mean it'd be interesting if you actually played it like that in a DD game and just see how like Oh god, yeah. Crazy stuff got like the power levels would be pretty um pretty insane. But uh yeah, no. Yeah, it it would change a lot, but um I'm I'm really interested to see how like when it's all said and done when they ship the game, 
completed how 5e translates because obviously there will be differences they've said they've you know they're trying to make a fun video game so there will be differences but um i'm really i'm really stoked to see what they do with it yeah uh, it will be interesting i'll be i wonder if they lower the cost of certain things like counter spell and whatnot because mm. the way they're doing it is like you just set your reaction to be what you want it to be ahead of time basically so you know um someone casts a spell or counter spell or you can set your reaction to always opportunity attack or whatever but like, mm. then you could end up counter spelling like a cantrip or something and it's just not, yeah. not going to be worth it so i don't know if you have mm. an option to like opt out of that or one or like shield like you know what sometimes you just want to take the hit because it's just not mm. worth wasting the um spell slot but yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, but it's interesting about what that's what's always put me off Warlock. It's just the lack of resources, and because I just find that as a party, whenever we play, we ju- we're not a short rest party. We just never, never do it. And yeah, and I've think, tried yeah, to. I mean, I've tried to build that into you a bit, but I don't know why you don't like. I'm as the Warlock of the party. I'm making people short rest because it's intuitive to my class. So I, I don't know. I think if you don't have any short rest players who you know who who re- rely on it you just don't do it it's weird yeah i i guess i mean even i think that is part of the problem is we always play wizards and paladins and and whatnot that we're generally more of like a long rest party aren't we um mm. or we play people like thieves and stuff where it just is completely irrelevant to them anyway they don't really have um usable resources so yeah i I don't know i just i guess that if you play because i mean you're supposed to what do like six to eight encounters a day and so we're probably i mean yeah if you're going by those rules with two short rests probably in between there and then yeah between long rests obviously that's not really feasible but i yeah i don't know i just feel like that's one of the things in dnd this the short rest mechanic just not quite Right, and I guess it's a bit weird having long rests and short rest classes in a single party. It just mm. seems there just seems to be conflict there with what the, the game's trying to tell you to do. Because, and I often find that if you've say got a paladin and a wizard, and then you've got a monk and a warlock in the party, as soon as the monk and the warlock are like, hey, let's bang in a short rest, paladin and the wizard are like, well, can we just long rest? Can we, yeah. Can we just? Well, the thing is, I didn't realise, but if you actually read the, go back and read the rules, you're only allowed one long rest every twenty four hours. So, I don't even know if if anybody follows that. To be honest, I know, but if if you've got that problem, you just enforce that rule. If you if you've got the issue of people long resting, and the other thing about long rest as well is it's it's eight hours. You know, things happen in eight hours. You know, stuff changes. There's consequences for having those rests. But I, I do find with my group that are um, all new players, they use short rests all the time. They love them. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice to be a new player and just not know the meta. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> it's weird to think that, that a game like D&D has a meta as well. But it basically does. I mean, I think the problem sort of exacerbates itself when you get to fifth level and you have Tiny Hut, basically. Mm. As soon as you have Tiny Hut, it basically removes almost all danger from long resting. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, even if a random encounter does happen, they can just knock on the edge of the bubble. It's not gonna not gonna bother us. 
So yeah. we'll just sit in the bubble and get our uh, full rest. Plus, I do find though, like you have, you just have to be a clever DM if that becomes an issue. Like you can dispel magic, you know. Yeah, but it can then feel like you're sort of hard countering the party, and it's like, okay, what does what does every bandit thief <laughs> have dispelled? Have dispel magic? <laughs> what they just yeah. giving the dispel magic scrolls out, you know, for free? <laughs> just fine. There's a well. They just they just put the bucket down and up they come. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Do, do we have a topic or um, are we? Um, we do ramblings of of madmen. No, no. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it is that, it but is that, we, yeah. we do have a topic. Before we dive into it, though, um, the guys over at the Dice Dungeon have been doing this uh, really cool thing on their Twitter where they will put up a poll based on our um, topic for the week of the podcast. So obviously, last week we were talking about how J- we had James on and we were talking about how we have two DMs for a game world. Um, and I, we're just going to start going back and having a look at their polls because some of the stuff that guy- people are saying is is really interesting and you know, obviously, the Dice Dungeon have followers that don't follow us, so um, we get a lot of varied answers as well. I was quite interested. Um, I mean, I'm not really surprised, but interested that 80 percent of people don't DM in a, with with more than one DM, um, but 20 percent do. So that's interesting. But there was one here, uh, and I think this is a really interesting way of doing it. And I think if you were listening to our episode last week and thinking yeah this is cool but i don't know it's a bit in like there's a lot of work there a bit in depth this sounds like a laid-back way to do it um lillian s she said uh my weekly world of darkness campaign has two gms one's a main storyteller the other contributes with special npcs they come up with the story together so um she goes on and she describes it she definitely go and look at this thread on the uh, dice dungeon twitter but you can find it through ours i think we've retweeted the poll but basically there's one gm who will be the you know the overarching narrative and will tell the story and then this other gm just develops the characters further so like if it was you and i joe i think i would i would say okay I've, i need a wizard here's a name here's a location here's their job and then you flesh out the rest and then you would npc that npc mm. it's, it's an interesting way of doing it yeah she is you kind of have like uh a writer and a, and a director basically you got the writer who's uh coming up yeah law and then the director who's actually running the game kind of sort of thing which is uh, yeah. it's an interesting one. also i love just the in my uh <laughs> weekly world of darkness campaign does that not sound like <laughs> a D&D campaign ever? <laughs> yeah i know it's fantastic isn't it <laughs> if you get any more D than that it's just <laughs> so um definitely i mean i think most people follow us on twitter anyway for the giveaways and stuff and um for the tweets that we put out but if you aren't following the Dice Dungeon, they will be putting out polls on our topics and we're going to start every now and then going back and talking about some of the um, the responses. So if we get a good amount, uh, obviously with 80% of people not doing shared GM worlds, there weren't many uh, many responses but um, in, in comments. But if you have something to say about what we're talking about, head over to their Twitter, comment on the poll and um, and we'll, we'll read it out. We'll talk yeah. about it. And it's not just for the Twitter engagement, all right? Okay. We're not just doing these polls. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, it's not even... Get the tweets up there. We really want to know. It's not even our Twitter engagement. It's theirs. So, you know, we 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 really want to know. <laughs> Maybe they might be doing it for the engagement. I don't know. I'll have to ask Ben. But <laughs> um, but yeah, what we are going to talk about, though, our main topic, um, seeing as last week we had the the old D&D live event and the announcement of the new adventure, um, which as soon as I saw that 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 splash page of the the icy tundra i knew it was going to be icewind dale very excited to go to icewind dale um rhyme of the frost maiden's been announced it's a new adventure thought 
first of all, really quickly, thoughts on that, but then go in to talk about how to link adventures properly, because we've, we've touched on it before, whether you think it works well. Um, I have a few concerns about it, even though I am doing it, and I thought we could just spit some, spitball some ideas out there and, and help people think about how they're going to transition from their current campaign into this new one if they're thinking of getting it. Mm. Well, I was kind of, and I, I sort of said as much in our little D&D group mm. chat, but I was pretty disappointed that it was a 1 to 12 uh, yeah. level range. Just because I'm sort of sick and tired of playing low-level games, right? We've gone through levels 1 to 5 uh, a few times now, and oh, especially that 5 to 10 range. We obviously Estroff started at 5, I think. Our characters yep. are now six in this game. We've done lots of games at around like the level ten area for like one shots and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just want to swing my sword three times in six seconds. This is what I want. Okay, I just want to, I just want to pop up that you know that mass suggestion. I just want to cast it once. I just, and so, okay. And to be fair, in a what a 12th game i think you probably could do that but yeah the point is i and i get so attached to certain characters that i want i want to carry on with them right so once we mm. finish up water deep which is already modified because that's supposed to be one to five so we did the start yep. set one to five now we're doing water deep which i'm going to presume is probably going to be like five to seven or eight maybe right it mm-hmm. be all being done uh, yeah, about them. That's, yeah, that's already modified. Um, and then after that, then what do we do? Okay, we either start new characters for a different um, prescribed adventure, or we go into Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which is fun to jump in and out of, but it's more of like a jump in and out of thing. I don't think that's a, a full campaign on its own, really. I, I feel so, I feel it would get monotonous if that this was the is, case. This is why I've picked this, um, this topic, because for Dragon Heist... James and I do have a plan to take it all the way to level 20. We have, um, at the end of Dragon Heist, the storyline that's sort of bubbling away underneath will launch, and you can go off there. Um, But it's going to be branching, because I've heard from some players that they're a little bit, like itching for, for to change up a little bit and to do some different things whereas i know others really want to keep their characters going so we're going to launch and i and i shouldn't really tell you this but i'm going to because you're privileged um we're going to launch two campaigns off in a branching narrative so there'll be a chance for you to as your as your player say right i'm going to send cowrie off on either mission a or mission b and then i'm going to make a new character for the other one or i'm going to retire cowry i'm going to make two new characters for these these new missions but some of the group will stick together and the story will continue onwards and you as a player will see the continuation of the overall story because it is an ongoing thing but presumably you're going to have to heavily modify that because so this is what i guess is going to happen so once we finish this up we're going to do uh stormwind thunder and tomb of annihilation we the two different campaigns running simultaneously is my assumption and you're going, to so mod we, you're going to mod them for the level we're at. We were looking at Storm King's Thunder, but we're not going to be doing that one now. Okay. Um, Tomb of Annihilation will be one of the offshoots um, because I just need to fucking run that game, man, just so badly. Um, but there is there is another adventure that will be, sh- will be happening. Um, and 
Dungeon of the Mad Mage, I've not really put it in as um, a campaign. I do have a story. I have a full narrative for Dungeon of the Mad Mage if, you know, we ever wanted to do it. But it's actually there more as a thing that you can get involved with and do. And you will be seeing little bits of Undermountain in Waterdeep, just not at the moment. Um, so you will get a chance to get down there and, and say, you know, we went into Undermountain. But it's up to you as players if you want to actually explore the whole of Undermountain. And if you do, that could be uh, another offshoot. You know, I've got a story for it. It's just up to you guys. So are they, these are all going to be pre-written campaigns then? That... Uh, yeah. Yeah, these ones will be. So what's the other one then? Mm. Mm. I know. Oh. So, right, I'm right, not right, tell right, you. the options? So we've got, obviously, Tomb of Annihilation we do. We're not doing Storm King Thunder. Well, the other ones, it's definitely not going to be Horde of the Dragon Queen or anything like that. Uh, I don't think. Um, hmm. You just have to wait and see. You have to wait and see. Oh, yeah. But, the, you know, the, the fun thing about our world that James and I have put together is that um, even though we're using these written campaigns, we are they are very much our own. I really do feel like we have taken them and, and put our own spin on them and, and changed them up. So they really for me feel like they're their own adventures they're not just you know out of the box everyone's played this adventure and let's talk about the time that we did this oh and you did that too like it, it is different yeah i mean and that is cool and that's your obviously prerogative to as you and james to, to modify that and whatnot and ultimately doesn't enhance our game but i feel mm. for most people the reason they get a pre-written adventure is so they don't have to do any of that right agreed and i just feel like there's no option currently really unless you do i think Horde of the dragon queen into tiamat i think goes to like 15 or 16 yeah tyranny go no tyranny goes all the way to 20 but i think those are pretty much considered the worst um pre-written adventures in dnd those were like the first ones to come out and they were finding their feet at the time but there is a re-release there is a re-release i guess so i, I don't know how good that is but I, I just know when they initially came out People thought mm. they were too railroady and uh, they didn't have much scope. But yeah, yeah maybe the re-release is better. But I feel other than that, because I just think most people won't play those now, right? Because they're pretty mm-hmm. old anyway, and people want to play new mm-hmm. stuff. That um, and hardcore, you know, guys and girls have, have probably already played it. Yeah, there's there's just not an option now. When I would love it if they bring out a campaign, and then the next campaign does. It's not like a direct follow up but the level range allows you to transition those characters without having to yeah. hack it, right? See, this is the thing, because currently the only two adventures that go be up, uh, above 13, I think Descent goes to 13, um, and then the only other two are Tyranny, which goes to 20, and Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which is, and, and I, I'll say it because I've read the book, it, it's, it's just a dungeon crawl. There is no story. You have to build your own story. Um, so they don't really offer a narrative for that high, uh, I would say that I've the trend that I think I'm seeing is that they are beginning to lift that level cap a little bit. Originally, it was like 10 was the highest they'd go. At least now they're going 12, 13. That's a little bit better. It's not, you know, not the greatest to want to go all the way, but um, it, it, it's tricky. I think, personally, I'm, like, for, for um, the new book, for uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, I'm excited for it because I want all the information on Icewind Dale because that's such a cool setting. So that's great. Nice. There's, there's new spells in it. There's new items in it. So that's great. Oh, Ben, that and makes the... me sad. Ben, you, you, 
you made a pun oh. and then i said nice but you didn't even realize you'd made the pun and oh oh, oh it's cool yeah it's oh. a really cool setting oh, oh God. now this whole bit's kind of been ruined isn't oh. it I've, I've ruined it by bringing it up oh, oh. joe joe anyway so it's um <laughs> it's a really cool setting hey i just edit it later it's fine i won't forget um <laughs> and uh yeah so there's new spells there's new items that stuff always intrigues me but the other thing as well is that they've written it in a way that the quest lines are all um uh, singular and then they can branch together into an overall narrative so you could if you ever were to find yourself in Icewind Dale randomly in a game, I don't know why you would, it's very difficult to get there, they're very secluded, um, you could just run one quest. So it would be nice to have those quests to pick and choose from, kind of like with um, Saltmarsh, Ghost of Saltmarsh, but a little bit, I think, more narrative-driven. I don't know. It, it's int- it's intrigued me, is what I'll say. I just want options. Like, right, so, yeah, we've got a bunch of 1 to 10 um, games or 1 to 12. I mean, it's it's... A bit weird because I, I just want okay, so we've got a bunch of these one to ten games, and then we have say two or three different campaigns that are ten to twenty, right? So mm-hmm. then you can choose. So it's not necessarily a direct follow-on narrative, but it's also strange to me that we have no five to X games because Dragon Heist yeah. and the start set both finish at five. It would have made way more sense to me to be, have Dragon Heist be 5 to 10. It's a city campaign. I think that's Mm -hmm. a really good level range where the players have quite a few abilities so they can really get amongst it in the city. Like, I really like that we have third-level spells, right, in this game, and we will eventually have fourth-level spells so we can really attack the story and feel like we've got impact in it. Um, But we're not at that sort of Tier 3 level band where I think you no longer really can facilitate the type of city game that they're, they're trying to make when you're teleporting all over the place and you've got all this immense power and spells and whatnot, right? So it would have made so much sense to me to have it 5 to 10 and then the natural select sort of thing to do is go 1 to 5 in the starter set, then boom, you hop straight over into uh, Dragon Heist, which is 5 to 10, and then you have a couple of 10 to 20 options to go from there, right? But yeah. obviously they're not doing that. And it just seems weird to me. They put so much effort into when they bring out these subclasses and whatnot and making it balanced from 1 to 20. That's quite clear. They don't just phone it in after level 10 with these subclasses and abilities. Every subclass is... And some of the really signature stuff comes at level 14, level 16. But they just... And I know that they know that most people don't go past 10. But maybe that's because there's no content past 10. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. So the thing with Dragon Heist is that they, obviously they planned for it to go straight into Dungeon of the Mad Mage, but not everyone wants a dungeon crawl. So I get why they stopped it at five and then went, okay, we're going to do a 15 to 20, uh, uh, five to 20. That, because like five to 20 is an interesting band and that is what I'd want to see. Like if they brought out a campaign tomorrow that was five to 20, I'd be all about it because it can link onto anything like you say. Um, also the, uh, the essentials kit goes to level five as well. So there's so, there's three different ways to get to level five there, two of which don't have anything that they directly feed into that open-ended, but then the campaigns that they're meant to feed into start at level one and then you have to kind of do the maths. So I don't know. I think, I think I would like to see one adventure that is 1 to 20 all the way through, which is why I'm excited to do Odyssey of the Dragon Lords. And I'd like to see either adventures that go 
10 to 20 that aren't necessarily follow-ons. So like, I don't want one that follows on directly on from Descent and goes all the way to 20 and it's the same storyline. I'd like something that goes to 20 that could be, you know, you could link into from anywhere. What, ra- what range is Descent? A Descent goes either to 12 or 13. I think it's 13. Okay. Right. Um, but that starts at one as well. It's interesting because I get that, okay, uh, maybe a 1 to 20 game is not necessarily feasible because the book would have to be absolutely massive because I find that once you tend to get past that level 10 range band, you can no longer necessarily situate your adventure in one place because people have teleportation circles and whatnot and, and they travel becomes so easy and it doesn't feel right for me for you to be say like a level 20 character, but you've spent your entire career at this point, you're basically a God, right? Yeah. All in one centralized location. It doesn't feel like the grand adventure. So I get that once you get past level 10 and into those tier three, T four, especially tier four range bands that, building that adventure and the scope of it is tremendously difficult because you need so much content and it needs to go so wide. I think that that's why campaigns often go, don't go past level 10 one, because obviously people drop out and they get bored and whatnot. But also I think the burden on the DM just gets massive mm. after that. It, it, um, it compounds itself because the DM has to open the scope of his world. And I think at, for a good DM, that's not too much of a problem because at that point they've spent such a long time in their world, right? They're they're prepared for it to take it mm. to that next level, and so obviously for if wizards were doing that, they would have to build a whole story sort of from scratch and put in all that detail. But they have the world there, they have Forgotten Realms, they have all that that backdrop. So I think it's certainly doable. I get that it would be a lot bigger and maybe it would cost more, and the book would be four or five hundred pages or whatever because they would have to cover so much scope. Mm. But I think it certainly could be done. And I think... They've done... Do you think as well yeah. that, like, from a business model, they look at it and they say, well, if we do a book that's levels 10 to 20, we're alienating players who don't, like, don't play as often and, and don't understand, you know, don't have characters that are, are at level 10? Or, or Do you think, like, that's a part of it? Do you think that factors into it? I think that's... The primary reason they don't do it is because they've done all these polls and everything and they, they know that generally people don't go past 10. But I think that's misreading the stats to some degree because mm. they don't make it easy for people to go past 10. Like I said, one, you need a quite a skilled DM that's really embedded in this world. It's very difficult for a DM to say to start a campaign at level 10 in a completely new world because you're building so much lore and background and scope for this adventure from scratch. If you start at level one and you build out your world as you build, play the campaign, once you get to level 10, you're ready to carry on. Mm. But yeah. so I get why people generally don't do it. And again, there's no books that go, that really cover that range. So there's no easy way to jump into it as a DM if you don't want to have to prep all this massive amount of work. I just think that I don't think it's valid, the problem that, okay, new players will come in and level 10 is you've got all these abilities and whatnot and they're going to have to build com- complex backgrounds for their characters to make narrative sense of how they're this powerful and whatnot. Because so I think you could put that into the book. You could do. Yeah. You could put 30 pages in at the start about how you build your character. You, that you could have some... You could perhaps have some sort of alternate rules 
that incorporate the background system, right? So instead of just taking criminal, soldier, whatever, you take one of those, but then maybe that you almost do like a question and answer sheet, right? Where you, you pick a bunch of options that, okay, I started in one of three villages and I then went and did this thing. And, well, I mean, and then I look at the... Um, or whatever, right? Look at the, the system they put into Wildmount. There's a whole... Uh, I forget what it's called, the Chronicler or something. I, I forget what they called the actually called it. It's called something cool. But it's all about, you know, building that backstory and fleshing it out and giving you people that you know and people that you that don't like you and, and enemies and villains and, and all this stuff and quest lines that you've done. Like, yeah. if you can do it in, in a campaign setting book, you can do it in an adventure. And like, okay, so maybe everyone gets one very rare item to start off with at level 10. And so you go down and, it, okay, I'm a fighter, so I go down the fighter tree and it says, you find a, and it's like hammer, spear, sword, whatever, you pick sword uh, uh, that you took from, say, and it's like Dragon's Lair, bank heist whatever right so <laughs> yeah. you you can build out your character and now this could all be optional if you're an experienced player you can make all this stuff up yourself but i think there could be a way to onboard people that's easy and unintrusive but gets them rolling quickly and i think it's not that hard to mm. start at level 10 even if you're a brand new player i think that what you could do maybe there's like a quick adventure like you do a single session right and you start the session at level one and maybe there's some uh, detail here for the dm to put in what could be cool is say the emphasis for this session for this um one to ten or what sorry ten to twenty adventure is that you've been together since level one right but we're only joining you in the story at level 10 now but maybe the first session there's an option to run a bunch of flashbacks. So you start mm. everyone at level one. You do an encounter, right? Everyone learns their, the very basics of D&D. Then you jump forward and everyone's level four. Then you jump forward and everyone's level seven. And then you jump again and everyone's level 10. And then that's the end of the session. And quickly, mm. people have just got a quick bit of onboarding of all their character, right? And then that's kind of like a session zero sort of thing. And then yeah. session one that's when the real campaign begins. And I think there could be a lot of guidance in the book to help the DM do this. But um, so I don't think it'd be a problem. And I think people would want to play in those higher range bands if it's done well. I get that. Yeah. Once you get really high, the game begins to break a little bit round about probably 17th level is when, Mm. is when things get really crazy, but not undoable. I mean, you watch Critical Role and whatnot, they went to 20 and they had mega powerful characters with mega powerful gear as well. Way more gear than I think any normal character would have in D&D. And everything was still balanced. Obviously, Mercer's a bit of a god and he's very (laughs) good at making those types of encounters. But throughout, it never felt like... They felt powerful, but it never felt like they were truly beating the world and things were becoming a joke. Yeah, I've got to say there's a lot of um, resources out there as well for those high-level encounters. Like, for example, I grabbed a um, a book off the DMs Guild. Uh, James grabbed it for me. Bless his heart. Um, he bought us a copy each. And it's mythic actions for, uh, you know, monsters that already exist. So, like, for example, a Serax in there, and it gives him... Um, it makes him a mythic encounter. And, like, that essentially makes him 
the equivalent of a of, of an encounter with two CR23 creatures. So if you want to, you know, go that powerful and go into the realm of being gods, there are resources out there to do it. It's not like... And these are third-party resources too, using the rule sets that Wizards built. So if they can do it, Wizards can do it. It's just a case of will they, won't they, I suppose. You know, um, you know Ben, I, I just find that... I just want the opportunity that when... I roll my, um, you know, my dice dungeon noble platinum dice set. That when I when I roll them across the table, Ben, it's because I'm doing a fourth level smite. You know, it's because yeah. I'm casting that ninth level spell. And I th- one day, one day, I yeah. think you'll you'll get that 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 you know that that taste of of smiting and it and it will feel like in real life you have smited because of the the weight and the heaviness i've quite literally no bad joke this is no uh hyperbole here i've mm-hmm. quite literally dreamed about stacking a banishing smite on top of a fourth level smite. <laughs> i've quite God. literally dreamed about it. <laughs> okay <laughs> and you call me a nerd oh wow yeah i've not got a lot oh. else going on right now but um that's that's <laughs> fair <laughs> that's fair and i was like adding, um, i was adding it up in my head and i was like oh my god it's like 5d10 and then and then it would be what 68 on top of that <laughs> because you'd you'd be level 11 paladin at least so you'd have the extra d8 and then <laughs> this I'd be is the best thing so you've it, ever told me it'd be another 2d6 and then it'd be a plus five i'd probably have a plus i'd probably have like a holy avenger at that point so it'd be a plus three on top of that and then oh my god if i crit it'll be doubled oh wow i did so <laughs> many sets of noble platinum dice ben from dice Dungeon that um you know i'd, I'd be uh, i'd be out of house and home you really would and you know they've got um they've got a bunch of sets as well i mean obviously we've talked about their their new sets like the the uh, the arcane prison sets the the amazing guys the green and and the nox the nox the shade all those amazing colors um and obviously the great sellers as you've already talked the um the old noble platinums but they've just done a big old restock so they've got the the burning hand set back in which is gorgeous mm-hmm. uh perfect if you are descending into avernus and they're just going to be surrounded by fire all the time the um the f- the fairy fire set speaking of fire a nice purple and pink very nice um my phoebe has been looking at those quite longingly so mm. uh, i didn't realize you know. how much i appreciated the extra size and girth of these dice ben uh, good good use of the word girth jay thank you yeah, for that they are um they are thick boys they are thick boys with two C's, and uh, I like it. I actually prefer the the larger dice set. It feels good to hold something mm. that that thick and girthy in your hand. You know, yeah, you really you really want to get a good tight grip on those girthy mm. girthy boys. Yeah, mm. um, having a look at as well. If if you know if you're a bit bit shy of of big thick girth, you can go for the new arcane prison set because they are a little bit smaller they're like a more standard size you know a bit more average i think is the word i don't think i'm allowed to sanction this but um (laughs) we have a little group chat us in uh and dice dungeon and we do yeah it's generally just ben and ben uh, there are two bens in this um firing back and forth being it's amazing being nerds and whatnot um i did see a little picture slip in there ben of some upcoming uh oh yes i know yeah it looks uh looks Mm. pretty desirable 
the thing is, Joe, uh, you should you should scroll back a little further. They've uh, Ben was letting some some secrets go, some interesting things that are down the line, um, uh, which I, I don't think we're allowed to talk about. But um, when when we are, we will we will tell you because there's there's some. We're such Ooh, professionals, aren't we, Ben? You know, just... I know. Goff, goff. I think the the official word, Joe, is embargo. Yeah. <laughs> wow. God. No, I know if that feels that feels wrong. I shouldn't should be saying words that big. Uh, oh, we've made um, it. Can you believe it? Look at us now. Yeah, I just I just hope we continue to make it, and they appreciate all of the sexual innuendos in their advert right there. So, um, well, I mean, we'll we'll wait and see, mate. <laughs> Look, we should talk about how we actually combine these adventures because that's what we were going to get into, um, and we have we haven't yet. We've just been moaning about level caps. Um, so, look, I run Dragon Heist, and as I've said, it's going to go off into two different campaigns. Now, I, I I'm not afraid to tell you, Joe, that one of them is Tomb of Annihilation because I know you've been keen to play that, and I've been keen to run it. But ben, what what class do I use? I'm still undecided. Well, this is the thing. This is why I've given you the option because I I don't want you to have to bin off cavalry because we're going into a game where you want to be a different class. Yeah, That's but I, I don't think. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to bring Cowry into Tomb because I, I just fear the worst for him in there. You know, he's he's not <laughs> built. He's not built for that environment. He's a uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil anything for you, Joe. But he might be. Dead. He might be more interested in Tomb of Annihilation than you than you think. Okay. Okay. He might have a. He might have a reason to want to be there. But but I'll leave it there. Um, I just. I kind of just want to play a fighter. I know it's so boring, but I just. <laughs> I just love. You it. like fighters, though, don't you? Fighters, you like it. Fighters are so much fun. People just don't appreciate the versatility of the fighter. He's, I need to play a fighter. Speaker. I, I haven't done fighter before. Six feet. Do you know what that means? That's so many feet. <laughs> but anyway, um, the way I would do this, and I want you to. I mean, I know you don't run ad- written adventures. You run your own homebrew. But tell me what you think about this. So, obviously, what you can do is finish an adventure and then just go straight into a new one. Uh, one that. And here comes your your weekly mention of it. One that works well with that is Curse of Strahd because you going you're going into a demi plane, so it's quite easy to just finish one adventure and just go into that without much setup. I personally feel like the best way to do it, especially if you're changing those level caps, is to seed the adventure. So, for example, let's say um, you're going to transition into Tomb of Annihilation and you want to keep your characters going, and you're already level five. Termination starts at level one, so I would start seeding the death curse and the that that stuff is going on over in Chult early while the adventure that you're running is still happening. So while the adventures are, I don't know, they're while they're searching Waterdeep for the Stone of Galore, maybe because they're factioned up with the Greyhands and they know the Black Staff. The Black Staff mentions about how she sent force gray off to off to cholt to deal with something but um but she hasn't heard back from them and and maybe she mentions that someone high up is is ill and and not very well maybe right towards the end of the adventure resurrection magic starts to stop working and that all gives stuff for the players to be like hang on what's going on why why is xyz happening oh she's mentioned something i'm gonna make a note of that might not mean anything but i'll note it for now and then when they're finished with their current adventure and the black staff comes to them and says yo so thanks for that but i need you to go south i've got a problem i need you on it now they're not going to be like oh this is a bit out of the out of the blue they're actually going to go oh shit this is this is stuff that we've been hearing about for the last 20 sessions 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I I like that. I mean, you know, I like a good uh, setup and payoff. So, for me, that's something that. Um, yeah, it, it interests me because I like that when we transition, we get to the end of that adventure. I think the players, obviously, in a meta context, they'll kind of know you're going into a different adventure. But yeah, in game, it shouldn't feel like another adventure. It just should just feel like a continuation of that quest in a way, right? Where one thing just bleeds into the next. I think you almost want to overlap the adventures, right? So as one's coming to a close, the next one's beginning to ramp up. So you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't have that um, that dead zone in between those those that starting and and finishing point or finishing and starting point so that's a pretty good way to do it and as you say i think there's if you just take some of the key themes of what you're trying to seed um with tomb of annihilation that being the the death curse the resurrection that basically that that just feeling of hopelessness and and sheer, (laughs) sheer danger you take that and you can just seed it a little bit into that other adventure you just give the essence of what that campaign is going to be about and then you can when you flow into it it's not going to feel like a horrible juxtaposition to what you've you've been doing everything's going to seem natural i mean even in my my own game I, i kind of look at my world as arcs right different arcs different seasons if you will of of adventure Mm -hmm. and as we were going from one to another we had that long traveling space i was trying to see feelings of and themes of what i wanted to portray in this new arc and it was mostly religion Hmm. and so i tried to put some iconography forward i got some religious characters that you met along the way before things really ramped up and we got embroiled in a new story I just wanted the baseline themes and feelings to be in the headspace of the players. And then once they get there, it just feels like a natural thing they can jump into. And uh, they're not being blindsided by all this this new stuff in a way. And mm. and I think that's similar to, like you say, what you're doing there with, um, or what you could do with seeding the, the resurrection magic and things like that, because that has a connotation with it of of danger, right? Players rely on that resurrection magic especially once you get to higher levels, you begin to feel that you're a little bit more invincible. So if you can get the feeling of that going, once you get into uh, Tomb of Annihilation, you have a, a familiar feeling of, of hopelessness. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, hopelessness, yes. My old friend, I <laughs> yeah. recognise you. Yeah. yeah, I like to imagine it as um, as like a colour wheel. Like on, you look at the colour wheel and you don't have block colours. You don't go from blue to green to yellow. You have this hue this um this transitional color like you can see the blue change into the green slowly over time and that's kind of what that's that looking at a color wheel like that that's how i want the game to feel i want to make it feel like that transition from blue to green yeah absolutely and uh i think you'll know when you're doing it right just because you as the dm won't feel that you're think particularly new as such it will feel like that natural transition mm. i think again going back to like critical role i think they do this pretty well just between adventures because matt always seems to see to the next adventure just before the first one's wrapped up right yeah not always sometimes you want that gap 
sometimes again we talk about pacing a lot but that is a tool that you can utilize as a dm to control your pacing and say no we are going to have a clear stop gap here and i'm going to give the players some breathing room especially if they've gone through some really really heavy stuff and um, maybe they just level up at the end and they just want a moment to buy some things calm down situate themselves but that's not always necessary and when you do want something to flow into the next uh I think critical role does that in quite a good way. And also I think you can still have those moments of downtime and you, but you just, you lower the intensity of seeding that next adventure. So it's just there, right? There's just a hint of something, but it's not enough for any of the pl players to worry about it just now. So they still yeah. break, but then when it does pick up again, it's, they still, it's like it was there all along. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if, if you're, thinking about linking some adventures and, and obviously you've got to think about things like like your scaling and, and your leveling and stuff yeah that that's a different topic altogether how to scale things up but if you are thinking about doing it but you're a bit overwhelmed just start small start with linking adventures together in that way and and seeding things i mean if you're gonna i think we've talked about it before but like if you're gonna have um a, a demon lord turn up and accost one of the players maybe start having some hooded figures show up have some cultists arrive here and there and or or maybe have some they go to a party and they hear rumors of of oh those damn cultists they've been causing us problems out on the high roads like that is enough because the players will hear that and they might not register it because it doesn't really mean anything to them but a player who's got their head on and, and everyone should have one of those players who's taking notes will remember and say, oh, shit, we heard about that when we were at that party or, oh, we saw those people when we were moving from X to Z. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that is certainly something you can do. Like I say, in, in my world, it was less of, say, seeding direct plot points or anything like that. And again, just mm. giving brief elements of the world more of a world building thing so when you get to this new location it it feels um i, I suppose somewhat more believable and enshrined within the world and its history as opposed to like okay joe's just bolted, come up with this new section of the world and bolted it onto the side because we need some new content and we're going here now right it's like no it, yeah. it's been there all along we just haven't been looking at it and yeah. i think that's um like, for instance, I would say, say you watch Game of Thrones or whatever, but you never see anything from, uh, you never see anything in Essos, right? Everything's set in Westeros and you never see Danny and Essos and whatnot. And then say in season four or whatever, you jump to Essos and you start seeing things there. It wouldn't feel like that was just bolted on because Essos and characters and places there are brought up in Game of Thrones all the time. Right. So even though you never see it, you know, it's there in the world. It, it feels part of your headspace when you think about that, the world of Westeros or, or Game of Thrones. So then when you see it, it's like, oh, this is what we've been hearing about. Right. Whereas if they'd yeah. never spoken about it at all, then all of a sudden you'd be like, whoa, well, there's a, there's a whole continent here the whole time. We just <laughs> we didn't know this. And, Has it just appeared? Yeah. Right. And obviously that's a bit of a weird example, but I think you can do stuff similar in D&D &D, and whether it be a continent, a place, a people or specific quest points and uh, characters, you can do the same as to where I love it where, say, you're running a game, I don't know, just say Dragon Heist for now, right? 
and mm -hmm. there's a force at play, a character at play, who's in the shadows maybe, they're doing things and whatnot. And then when you get to this secondary adventure, this new adventure, you see, you begin to see their influence and you have a bit of clairvoyance and you get that bird's eye view and you see, ah, oh, they've had influence on our previous adventure, the things mm -hmm. we've been doing, um, but we just didn't know it right at the time. We didn't identify it as such. So that is happening in your Dragon Heist right now with a character you haven't even met or know oh the name of yet. Oh my goodness. And um, if you decide to delve down into Undermountain um, a lot more, you'll you'll begin to see even more of them if they it's make not, it through the first adventure. It's not the Mad Mage, is it, Ben? Don't tell me the Mad Mage. It's not Halliston, no, no, no. It's, Don't worry. it's been messing with me. You know, my character no. even not as it is, let alone... No, no, no. Don't worry, Halister has his own has his own stuff going on down there deep underground. He 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 doesn't even know you exist yet. Mm. Let me give it time. Aren't there like multiple Halisters? Didn't clone himself and whatnot, and there's like a bunch just knocking about. Spoilers, Joe. Spoilers. Is that a thing he did? Um, it depends who you're thinking of. There is another wizard who had a massive uh palooza, I suppose, with with clones. Mm. Um. You might be thinking of Manchun. Oh. He had the the Manchun Wars. He he made a load of clones and they all came to live at the same time. Mm. And then there was the Manchun Wars. Oh, that's yeah. Like you should you really shouldn't make more than one clone at once. That just seems like no. A... It's not it's not a good idea. Hallister does have clones, but they're not active like you've got like you've Manchun's work. You, it's basically mandatory, isn't it? If you're a DM and your player makes more than one clone. You've just got bring them to life. Yeah. You just got to fuck with them, and yeah, you got to absolutely. Just... I love the idea. Absolutely, the guy's like, he's like, guys, I'm a really prepared wizard. I've got my own demi plane, and I've got five clones in there. Just so I'm ready. I don't have to cast it again. Should I die? And I love the idea that like the wizard dies, he wakes up in his demi plane, and then like all these other clones are just like there staring at him. <laughs> or or he dies, and he's like, right, well, I'm gonna wake up in my clone, and you're like, no, you're dead, mate. You died. <laughs> He's like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, you, you, something, something went wrong. I mean, that'd be a bit cheap, wouldn't it? But also, sorry, your character's dead. All of your clones are already alive. <laughs> no, but you just tell the you tell the guy after the session that he's he's actually dead, and then next session you have one of his clones come in, but no one knows. <sighs> that'd be amazing. It's a doppelganger. If if I had a wizard in my party as a DM and they were like, yo, I'm I've I know I've got this this whole thing set up in case I die, but I'm ready for a new character. And like, I'm actually kind of bored now. Can we like retire my character? I'd be like, okay, can I kill you? <laughs> and I'd just get them in on it. Yeah. I'd be like, come, come back next session as your clone, but actually secretly you're the villain. And there's some sort of tell, like the wizard mm. got a scar after he made his clones. Then that clone doesn't have the scar. Oh, and God, that'd be a, be amazing the players can figure it out and whatnot that would be uh yeah that'd be interesting well there you go there's a cool campaign idea for you oh benny we just such great dms you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and don't we know it oh my god <laughs> oh man well look we're not um we're not playing today so um i'm not gonna go tell you to to get ready to to die from mind flares this week but Hey, it's been fun having a chat about D&D. At least I feel like we've played. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been a bit of a moan, which I enjoy. 
a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's very British of us. Someone said that to me the other day. Someone tweeted us and was like, oh, yes, I, British wit is amazing. And I was like, yes, it's very self-deprecating. <laughs> I mean, like, it doesn't feel like wit. It just feels like we're just here, like... Just, it's just us. We're just screaming into the void, you know? Mm. I mean, it, that is what a podcast is, isn't it? Screaming in the void and hoping someone listens. But yeah, I mean, you can't argue yeah. with that. God, that got dark, didn't it? Anyway, uh, look, if you want to get involved, uh, you can tweet us at We Speak Common. And if you're on Twitter, go and check out the Dice Dungeon. There will be popping up a poll about uh, linking adventures. You can tell us how you do it, if you do it, or whether you stay far away. And tell us what you think about um, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden too. I'd love to get some other opinions. Uh, you can email us at We Speak Common. Um, sorry, no, that's the Twitter. We Speak Common at Hotmail.com. I'll get it right one week, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, if you've got a topic that you want to hear us discuss or you've got a question, a query from your game that you want us to get into, send it to us there. And obviously, if you see us on Reddit, it's probably me. So say hi. See, ben, I like to just think that this podcast is like the little rickety carriage and the wheels are wobbling and they're just about to fall off, but they just haven't gone off yet. You know? You've got to stop saying things like this. We Someone tweeted said. us the other day saying, if you were a garbage truck on fire and now you've put the fire out, are you just a normal garbage truck? And I had to say... Yes, but one day will be a garbage truck with trick suspension that like bounces. Yeah, exactly, Ben. This is I'm I'm being I'm not I'm not being cynical. I'm being optimistic. I'm saying the wheels haven't <laughs> fallen off. They're just wobbling heavily. The nuts are cut loose, <sighs> but they're not falling off, Ben. <sighs> okay. Well, that's good. Okay, great. <sighs> if we ever have to sell ourselves to another another like press agency, make sure I do the talking. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Bye bye. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favor. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.